and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello and welcome to The Schism. Today I'm joined as always by my co-host Adam. Hello everyone. And today's episode is called Dystopia, a vision for the future. Oh yes. Where we are going to envision what the future would look like at the end of the dystopian path that I would say it's safe to say the world is currently on. Basically, welcome to the apocalypse. (laughs) Unless of course there is some kind of a massive intervention or some kind of a people's global revolution of some kind but then who's to say what the world would look like on the other side of that well i guarantee if there was you can safely say the schism would be at the front of that <laughs> would we still be broadcasting from a jail cell <laughs> i was about to say bunker yeah probably jail cell by that point <laughs> we'll be tapping through the walls or something but our next episode <laughs> in morse code but for the meantime it's not hard to imagine where the future could be leading us if Klaus Schwab and his cronies at the WEF get their way. Mm. And I thought that would be a good place to start in this dystopia episode because at the World Economic Forum, they've already created a kind of blueprint for us. Yeah, Klaus Schwab kind of reminds me of like He-Man, like Masters of the Universe. With He's the evil con- He-Man. <laughs> the evil He-Man, yeah. He's got it all sorted. Yeah, so on the WEF website, and all over the internet to be fair, there are these 17 global goals for sustainable development. We, we actually spoke about these in our second Gender Wars episode briefly because mm. we were saying how the WEF's logo that they have on their pin badges and all their kind of propaganda, <laughs> let's say, is this circular rainbow. Yeah, with just a mass of colours. But basically, it's been used everywhere. If it's not at the Gay Pride, it's now on the global goals. Yeah, and climate change, the NHS. I mean, we, we went through all of this in the Gender Wars episode, I mean, the rainbow is literally everywhere. It's like the symbol of the New World Order. I would say some of the global goals don't really quite... um, I don't think they're really sustainable, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, we're going to go through them one one by one, but I'm sure we kind of veer off and and talk about other stuff as, as we do. But I actually found, like, a meme on the internet where someone has taken these rainbow-coloured global goals, and then they've created this other version where it says, the New World Order of Goals. And it's almost like you're looking through the sunglasses in They Live and seeing these goals for what they really are, and their version's all in, like, black, and it kind of looks like a goth version (laughs) with a pentagram where the uh, rainbow circle should be. Yeah, so say, like, the first one, for example, is number one, no poverty. And it has a little illustration of of a family. Oh, look, and one of them's got a walking stick, so it's like, the whole gang's there. The elderly, what, the elderly that you were killing off during the first manufactured wave of COVID? Yeah, it's like, Jesus, are there any elderly left? <laughs> he's probably got a walking stick, actually, because he's got Parkinson's or some awful thing that he's got from the jab. I thought that was a third leg. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe he's just a mutant, because there's so many chemicals that they'd be injecting us with and spraying us with. People have, like, dodgy third legs now. But, yeah. They're trying to say, you know, it's family for the whole family, no poverty, no one's going to be poor. That Doesn't that sound absolutely brilliant? 
And then on the on the Gothic New World Order goals, that is translated as enact communism. And then rather than the picture of the family, it's just a hammer and sickle. <laughs> but I kind of see it more like the movie The Wishmaster, which is a terrible movie if anyone's seen it. But it's yeah. this little leprechaun-looking djinn that, you know, is summoned like a genie. And then you give it a wish, it... <laughs> They, them, I don't know what, what this this fucking leprechaun... Be careful. I, d- I don't know what his preferred pronouns are. <laughs> it's a he, it's a he. So you give him your wish and he grants it. And, and he kind of gives you what you wanted, but it's always with some evil spin. Oh, it reminds me of Big and Tom Hanks, that film, where he's like, yeah, I, right, I want to yeah. be big, and he ends up like a full-grown adult, <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, I have to go to work? What the fuck? Yeah, right. So, you know, you get you, you maybe wish for eternal life or something, but then you find out that's a living nightmare and you just want to kill yourself and you can't and every day... Yeah, you know, it's like Groundhog Day or something. But that's how I sort of view this. It, like, they're going to deliver on what they're actually promising. So when they say no poverty, they might eradicate poverty across the world. Yeah. But they do it through, as we said, enacting communism. Like, everyone will be equal... In slavery. Yeah. Everyone will be not below the poverty line. They might be on a social credit score system, a pittance of a wage, survival mode. Yeah. But we've eradicated poverty. Well, in a way, they're kind of doing that at the moment. If you look at even in the United Kingdom, the amount of food bins that are being used, the idea... Food banks. They might be getting them out of bins. bins. Yeah, they probably will be in the future. <laughs> probably bugs, for all we know, but we'll get into that later. Food bins full of bugs. Bugs, yeah. But we're almost there. The fact that these food banks are being used quite a lot by not people who are poor, necessarily poor in the UK, on the street. We're talking yeah. about people with families that live families, in houses. Yeah. There's one in Hartford where my family's from, and they were saying that there was people there, families, and you could see all their cars in the car park next to it, and they were like, they had nice cars. You know what I mean? They, these are people that are like affluent people, and they're having to go to food banks to provide for their family. I saw a interview with Adam Curtis the other day, the guy that um, made hypernormalization. Yeah. And he was saying that when he worked in the city, he worked at a top firm and there was people there that were actually having lunch every other day because they couldn't afford to get lunch there. Right. But these could be people working at top media firms or whatever. Or like banks or something. And they're like, well, I have to live so far out of the city. The commute cost me an absolute fortune. The cost of living's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't have enough money to even feed myself. So he was making the point of people have been fed this sort of lie. And how sustainable is this? Because it's going to get to the point where they think, what am I doing all of this for? And I was going to say, you know, during the pandemic, we saw the poverty line almost drop as well. More people had to close their businesses. People were almost more willing to just take furlough, even work for themselves, which almost kind of allowed even the government to say, well, if you're happy to live on just such little money, well then, okay, just a nice little vision for the future. If you're that willing to go on like a social credit score system, whether it be paid furlough or some other bollocks... I mean, no poverty. And, dude, even the idea of poverty, I mean, that explained poverty. I mean, you know, you could be, like you said, at the very bottom level. But if there's billions of you all living there, who's really poor? Yeah. There's, there's only a, a tiny cluster of people that are the mega rich that are super powerful and rich. Everyone else is broke as shit. So how can anyone really be poor? Exactly. And what, what you would prefer it to say is abundance. <laughs> mm. 
You know what I mean? If we lived it, like we do live in a world of plenty. We, we do. do live in a world of abundance. We live in, like when we had Richard Willett on the show, in the Garden of Eden. We have everything we need on this planet and more. So you would want that to say abundance because if we lived in a society where everyone, you know, grew their own food and everything else, we would just have abundance. It wouldn't matter. Like you, you really could boast no poverty because it would be like, well, we have everything we need and more. But... They're not saying abundance. They're just saying no poverty, which is basically how they sold communism. <laughs> Everyone will be equal. They, we eradicate poverty. So I've heard this before. Yeah, millions of Russians died, I swear, because of this idea. And going swiftly on to the second one, zero hunger, which millions of Russians that also died of starvation might have heard briefly before that happened to them as well. <laughs> but yeah, zero hunger. Okay, I mean, the New World Order goal translation to that is genetically modified food, which I guess if we're on the subject of food and their interest in it, then GM foods is a massive thing for the New World Order. Oh, I mean, Bill Gates is running the race here, isn't he? I'm in first, I'm in first, I'm buying up all the land, I'm going to genetically modify your plants, your animals, everything. And having control over it, I think that's the main thing, it's like... When they're saying zero hunger, again, they're, they're kind of saying that we're going to move in and take control of all the food. We were saying in the future, I mean, I know not a lot of people grow food now anyway, but in the future, it'll probably be illegal to grow your own fruit and veg and all the rest of it because they say, oh, it has to, it has to be GMO certified and yeah. it's too dangerous if you grow your own fruit and veg and they'll probably have like secret police turn up to your house and just flamethrower your whole vegetable patch. No! <laughs> My tomatoes! <laughs> Take those cabbages. <laughs> yeah, they won't even be like bothered if you, that you're like little dogs running across it or something. <laughs> it's like... They would be coming for your pets as well. Take that doggy. Well, we were saying, you know, a little bit like that movie um, Equilibrium where he has to shoot the puppy because in the future you're not allowed pets and stuff. We're, we're already, China's already there when they're putting people's cats and dogs into plastic bags and euthanizing people's pets, kill, killing their pets. Mm. But that's already happening. You can imagine when Pandemic 2 comes or God knows what is going to come in the future. Like, they just make up some reason, like, oh, we, we, we have to kill all your pets now, you know, they're bad for the environment, carbon footprint. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> farting and all that meat they eat. Yeah, it would just be like, they're not sustainable. I mean, that's what this is, isn't it? Like, the global goals for sustainable development, it would be like, oh, no, pets, they're, they're not sustainable. And they also are full of nasty infections. Like, they were trying to spin this yarn that yeah. old pets could infect people with COVID. We even heard recently that they were going to try that on for size in the UK. I, I can see, like, the future adverts of pet food. It'd be like pedigree glum. <laughs> Poison your animal the pedigree way. <laughs> Do what the government says. Kill your pets or we'll kill them for you. No, but really, it's not hard to imagine that. And in terms of the control that they want over the food, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, like Bill Gates is now the number one owner of farmland in the US. And there's all this talk of not only GM foods, but in the future, you'll eat bugs, you'll eat insects. I mean, this is being pushed in a massive way. It's all over the WEF website the use of genetically modified crops has been going on for quite some time we 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 can't say this is a new thing i mean gm food's been around for a long time i know 
here in United Kingdom, I think we have maybe slightly better health and food standards to stop us from eating such horrible crap. But I mean, it's definitely moved on, hasn't it? Like from the point where we were, oh God, they're spraying crops with horrible GMO chemicals to keep the bugs off them, to you're now eating the bugs. <laughs> Forget the plant. <laughs> you're not even worried about what they're spraying on there. You're, you're like, I've got to now eat the bugs. <laughs> protein they're good for you well that's that's how they're selling it which i want to sort of move on to now because this seems so far out like what in the future we'll be eating bugs like they're pushing this in a major way at the moment and we'll come to later like they even have a whole page about this on the world economic forum website not only saying eating bugs would be a great thing but not enough people doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we've seen the videos, we've already brought this up before on YouTube when like Nicole Kidman's eating the worm. She's like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is really nice. And you're like, mm, doesn't look like you're enjoying it, love. Yeah, yeah. But I bet you're used to swallowing loads down that you didn't want to just to get where you are. Yeah, well. It's not bet. who you know, it's who you blow, eh, Nicole? Yeah, she had a few worms in her mouth, I'm sure. <laughs> All different shapes and sizes. Some were more like eels. <laughs> Yeah, so a recent headline from The Guardian. If we want to save the planet, the future of food is insects. And the photo they've got to go with this is vile. I'm trying not to look at it. Just looking at the words below it, I'm not sure whether to focus at the picture or fried crickets on the school menu. Milk made from fly larvae. And mealworm bolognese. For dinner. I mean, basically, the words are as horrifying as the picture. I'm not sure where to look. Wait, it says... Fried crickets on the school menu, milk made from fly larvae, and mealworm bolognese for dinner. These are the environmentally friendly meals we can look forward to. Bon appetit. But the article goes on to say, you know, it calls them crunchy critters. They're trying to friendly it up and saying, oh, they're they're actually really good for us. They're high in protein. There's a a little quote here. Are we more willing to try what we might have considered gross before? You know, oh, we're... We're evolving. This is just part of our evolution now. Not pausing for a second and thinking, humans have never eaten insects before. That's not like been a staple of our diet for most of recorded history. If you're rummaging on the floor eating insects... You probably will need locking up, really. <laughs> you'd need locking up or you're definitely in a bad way. <laughs> you're not the full meal worm. It's crazy, actually, because I've heard reports from um, Yonomi Park, the woman that escaped North Korea. And she has said when she was at her absolute lowest of low and her family were so poverty stricken, they had no food to eat, they were eating insects and bugs and everyone they knew was doing the same thing. That is the absolute bottom line of all of this. So no wonder they're trying to normalise it because they're certainly normalising North Korea. Well, probably one of the most dystopian parts of the world. (laughs) Yeah, right. And it's like, in a sense... This episode is all about, you know, envisioning this end game dystopian future. But it already exists on Earth in little pockets. Like you go to North Korea, that's what we're talking about. You go to parts of China, that's what we're talking about. Mm. I'm sure there's places in the Middle East that are hell on Earth. Like we talk about Armageddon. I mean, if you live on the Gaza Strip, you probably think it's already here. Yeah. I don't know. Look at Africa. One of the most mineral rich resources in in the entire world that yeah, con- you watch how people live when you when you watch comic relief or something you yeah, see these yeah. images of them it's kind of hard to believe really. yeah hard to believe that that is going on whilst we do live in a world of such abundance but don't worry eating bugs is going to save the day here's another headline from time magazine they're healthy 
They're sustainable. Oh, there's that word again. Oh, so why don't humans eat more bugs? Because uh, mm. it's fucking gross. I mean, I don't know what I'd like more, either a bug or a McDonald's. I'd probably still rather eat a McDonald's over a bug. Oh, they'd be the first ones to jump on board, like the McDonald's bug burger. <laughs> you can already go to some supermarkets and they're selling these these bug burgers. Have you seen these? Yeah, yeah. And uh, snacks that are like crisps, but they're bloody dried crickets or some horrible shit. Like This is already infecting, I think that's the right word, these <laughs> supermarkets and infecting the sort of consumer level like with the celebrity endorsements and yeah. putting in burgers or crisps you know like oh stuff that the morons like to eat funny thing is that's like a dare in thailand i don't know if anyone listening has been to thailand but on the thai markets you can always get those tiny little ants and stuff let me guess you've done it oh they're pretty salty <laughs> i wouldn't advise anyone eating one not even for a dare because How- how big was it? Oh, tiny, like the size of an ant. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey! All <laughs> oh, right, okay, so it wasn't... How yeah. how big would, would you go? Would you eat some... I wouldn't eat like... a cricket. No. Uh, you see them things on there, and you're thinking, that looks like they would squish in your mouth, even though they're crisp, like a crisp would break apart, like a, you know... Like a... They're crunchy. I mean, they what did they call him in that article before? Like, crunchy critters. It's like, quit trying to normalise this. Even the fact that it's on I'm a Celebrity as a dare is still on TV. People are still watching people eat bugs, therefore it's being normalised. They might have never seen that before. No. But now they're like, oh, I see that on the Bush Tucker Trail every bloody week. I'll tell you what, a kangaroo bollock might be quite tasty. Well, you can imagine people at home like, would you do that? Yeah, I'll probably give it a go. It is normalising it for people. But you've only got to go on the WEF website and boom, here we go. Under climate change, five reasons why eating insects could reduce climate change. They've given us five full reasons, dude. Five. <laughs> And of course they'd be like, it would be about climate change. I mean, what isn't about climate change? Oh, and there's actually a little ant on the front cover. Looking all friendly. <laughs> With his big... Intimidating pincers. <laughs> he is harmless. How can you eat that poor little thing? I mean, I won't read this whole thing, but it starts off, help us prevent the spread of disinformation. What? Don't read this article. <laughs> Get off this website. Even says, before you say yuck, hear us out. Didn't need to say any more than that. <laughs> Actually, let me read this, because this does look like it could be quite good. The World Economic Forum is committed to publishing a wide array of opinions. Misrepresenting content diminishes open conversations. Our consumption of animal protein is the source of greenhouse gas and climate change. It's the cow's fine. God damn it. Insects are an overlooked source of protein and a way to battle climate change. That's such a big thing that they're pushing. Like They're, they're so full of protein. Well, why have we historically not dined out on insects then? Yeah, I don't recall hearing on the radio that advert when it's like, do you boil your kettle too much? Do you fill it up below the point at which you need a cup of tea? Help us reduce energy levels by only putting in the amount of water that you need. And next thing you're going to hear in, help us reduce energy levels. Eat an ant burger. (laughs) Don't forget to eat your daily ant burger. I mean, they're saying that they're going to bring it in at schools. Oh, God, lunches will will never be the same. God bless the fucking 90s when we were at school now. Kids have got it hard. (laughs) Hard and crunchy. So it goes on to say, the consumptions of insects can offset climate change in many ways. We've been conditioned to think of animals and plants as our primary sources of protein. Like, conditioned. No, since cavemen times to now, that is what we've eaten. Right? Since the dawn of time, we've been conditioned not to eat them. It's like, no, you're conditioning me to eat them. 
because this is a brand new fucking thing <laughs> and you're trying to pretend no we've always done it like and if we haven't we should have been I tell you what because they're great in protein that caveman brought home a fucking handful of beetles I swear his wife would have beaten him to death with that club that you should have killed an animal with he would have had to have catched a lot of them <laughs> he comes back he's like a huge sack full of millions of oak, them oak, oak. <laughs> so it says we've been conditioned to think of animals and plants as our primary sources of proteins namely meat dairy and eggs yep yeah. weirdly what I like to eat rather than ants or tofu beans and nuts but there's an unsung category of sustainable and nutritious protein but has yet to widely catch on unsung. insects Unsung. Except the ones that do sing. If you count crickets and things like that, because they're quite noisy. When you say like unsung, it's like it's so good for us. Do you know what I mean? You didn't know about this. It's been waiting just to come out. No one knows. But it's bugs, everyone. It's going to be the... And you're like, this is not a thing. They're trying to friendly it up so, yeah, much. so much. Then they say, before you say yuck, hear us out. This is the World Economic Forum website. Again, we talked about this before. They're talking to you like a child. Yeah. Right? Mm. All the, like, before you say yuck, hear us out. It's like you're watching a kid, like you're listening to a kid's cartoon. Most of us aren't accustomed to regarding insects as food. But the nutritional, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the nutritional difference between sources of protein is relatively small. For instance, plant proteins lack some essential amino acids that animal proteins possesses, but the major difference between insects and other sources of protein exists largely in the cultural and environmental realm. So it's like saying, okay, they can't compete with meat on the protein level. They kind of can though, but really the real advantages are, are what? A load of bollocks to do with climate change. Yeah. That is just literally a fucking scam. Yeah. Okay. We, we're going to sell you on that. That's the only thing. You could help yeah. save the world. There, it's okay. better for the environment. It's more sustainable. And it tastes doesn't taste terrible. And it's a good source of protein. But the reality of it is humans should not eat insects. We never have, historically. Mm. What fucking golden age of society? Yeah. Have <laughs> Whether it's the Egyptians or the Roman Empire. They've never done this. I just can't see like Julius Caesar being being brought a plate of fucking bugs. <laughs> They're more sustainable, sir. Obviously, they would off with his head. Obviously, the World Economic Forum would say, yeah, but never in history before have we been facing the type of you know issues that we do now to do with the environment um, all, and and all this crap. But it's like you're creating the scarcity, yeah. And you're taking control of all these things and then rationing it out. Like I said before, we live in a world of abundance. If we, we could feed the world God knows how many times over, all of these problems could be sorted out. These mm. guys just want to fucking wishmaster their way through the whole thing. Yeah. And the idea Selling us a bloody lie. <laughs> the idea of obtaining zero hunger seems, well, completely unrealistic. Especially in the hands of these bloody psychos. <laughs> you know that they mean something else. So number three. We are going to get through these guys because there's 17 of them. So <laughs> a few of them are all linked to the same yes, thing. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, three is good health and well-being. Well, if COVID was anything to go by. They, not sure we can rely on them for that. <laughs> I think they failed miserably. <laughs> the New World Order translation said forced vaccination. I mean, obviously, in terms of their focus on health, it would be, I would say, 
things like false vaccinations, health passports. Yeah. In the dystopian future, there's a high chance that eugenics will reign supreme. Mm. And we were talking before the podcast, actually, about how it's like that movie Gattaca, which is, I've got a little bio here, is a neo-noir sci-fi thriller about a futuristic society driven by eugenics. <laughs> In this not-too-distant future, you'd say that again, <laughs> children are no longer naturally conceived, but rather lab-created to harness the best genetic traits of their parents. As a result, genetic discrimination is rampant. Laboratory-engineered humans are seen as valid, while those naturally conceived are seen as invalid, barring them from securing meaningful employment. I won't spoil the plot too much, but basically it involves the main character going from valid to invalid, and then they're on the shit heap. But in that sense, it kind of reminds me of what would happen to you if you suddenly fell off the social credit score system. But the fact that it's to do with genetics, I mean, there's so many dystopian movies that paint this kind of picture, this idea of if you don't have the right genetic makeup, you won't, in this movie, have any kind of meaningful employment. Or in another movie, you won't, like Brave New World or something, you won't necessarily even get born. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and their obsession with health and things like health passports. Like who's to say in the future you won't be able to board a plane, not just because you tested positive for COVID, but because you don't meet the health requirements. You know, a lot of people that are pretty poverty-stricken, that aren't in the best of health, could suddenly find that they can't go anywhere or do anything. They just say, well, it's just it's to protect everyone. You know, future pandemics. Like Their obsession with health and well-being it isn't about good dietary requirements or exercise or how to boost your immune system or any of this kind of stuff. It's just about, will be about control. A lot of it will be to do with inoculations and vaccinations. Your health will be seen as a ticket that you can take care of by stamping it with jabs, as they've already tried that with the pandemic. I think it will get to the point where you won't be able to do so many things because they just say, oh, you're, you're a flight risk or you're putting others at risk because you don't meet this criteria. And they just kind of use what happened in the pandemic as a blueprint, but for everything to do with health. And in the future, especially as technology gets more and more advanced, you can see that being another huge gap between the super rich and the masses who are living in destitution. The super rich will almost live forever kind of (laughs) styling and the people down below will be like scrambling on the floor eating bugs. It kind of reminds me of the movie Elysium, which is set in 2154. I like it when they're set a little bit further. So you're like, yeah, it kind of seems more realistic when they're like 2012 or something you're like oh we've been past that nothing really happened but um yeah the rich live in elysium an advanced space station while the others thrive in poverty on earth and the people that are living on the space station they're in these health pods they basically have any sort of ailments they have or diseases or whatever are just fixed they don't live forever but they they live until like their very old age everyone like on ground level back home is living like filthy refugees fighting over food and stuff but these people live in a world of abundance and 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 they never get sick and all this stuff so it, there's so many movies that all point to this kind of um, endpoint, especially focusing around like health. The next one on this list is quality education, <laughs> which is just translated as mass indoctrination. 
<laughs> we went through the sort of shit that they're teaching kids in schools in our Gender Wars episode. <laughs> Anal sex for six-year-olds. Let's go. <laughs> Would you call that quality education? <laughs> well, they'll be highly sexualised, at least by the 11. <laughs> quality education. Then you look through the, like, the they live glasses and it just says, drag time story out. <laughs> <laughs> A nine-year-old just flicking through the Karma Sutra. He's <laughs> <laughs> then got number five, gender equality. Well, again, mm. we covered a lot of that in our uh, previous episode, but that's just, again, about destroying the nuclear family. Yeah, and gender equality, well, equality what for everyone? You know, to what craziness? Will no one have sex? There's no gender or equality for all the genders. Well, if we want to really fast forward as we are to like the end point of all this, it will be a no gender human. That's what they'll be aiming for. Through medical intervention, whether that's through jabs or chemicals they're putting in the food and water and God knows what what else spraying us with. Like, I think they would eventually be gunning for like a non-procreating genderless human. Yeah. Because they're insane. <laughs> I mean, if they're satanic, the god they worship, or Balfamet, is yeah. both, well, man, woman, and animal. But he's a fucking trans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, they're them. <laughs> See, how does that work in their future? Because they're obsessed with, a well, buggery of small children. So, in a genderless future, will they still be getting to have all the sex? <laughs> Even if it is with minors? I mean, that's the kind of, like, transhumanist wet dream. I mean, who's to say whether all the kind of maniacs in the WEF or in charge, like, it seems like that's the way that it's all going. Six is clean water and sanitation. Mm. Well, there's been loads of talk recently. Have you seen Robert Kennedy Jr. has recently gone on, I think it was the Joe Rogan show, and he was saying they're putting chemicals in the water... Basically what Alex Jones was saying years ago, turning the frogs gay. Yeah, and he said multiple times that there's chemicals in water that are impacting the sexuality of children. And now people are suddenly going, whoa, okay, he's saying it. Like they didn't take Alex Jones when he was like, they're turning the frogs gay. Like that just got turned into a meme. But now, you know, people are going, oh, hang on, is that another thing that Alex Jones has been right about? But people like David Icke have written about this and gender-bending chemicals that are found in things like till receipts. Yeah. Like, why are these chemicals on things like till receipts? We know why, because everyone handles them, but they're finding chemicals in the water turning the frogs gay, gender-bending... I love that. Mm, gender-bending. Chemicals found in things like till receipts. I mean, something's going on. Yeah, the weird thing is, is putting things in the water... I mean, the Nazis were mad on boosting the fluid. They love that. The fluoride levels in the Second World War, they thought if we put enough fluoride in, we just control the people because there's no real reason that amount of fluoride should really be in your water. Yeah. You can boil it all down at the end of the day to control. I feel like that. Like The people that want to control the world are, unsurprisingly, control freaks. Mm-hmm. You know, They're narcissists, they're sociopaths. Some of them are probably complete psychos as well, or at, at least they're all serving a, a psychopathic agenda. At the end of the day, these people are just obsessed with controlling and manipulating and having power over others. That is that is their, like, MO. That's what they're all about. I honestly do feel sorry for the future human. He's looking out for you, pal. So the number seven global goal for sustainable development from the WEF is 
affordable and clean energy well this is blatantly all about smart meters and again taking control over your energy so they can switch everything off if they want to these smart cities and stuff it's like if, if everything was just running through like one central power grid and everything you were doing was being monitored and controlled you would be fucked they could just turn everything off yeah, I mean, the electric car is something they're still trying to bring Pedal. in. Even though they know the lithium that's mined for the batteries of these cars is really impacting the health uh, and of the environment and the people, the small children they send <laughs> down the mines to get this lithium. <laughs> Definitely impacting them. <laughs> them yeah. Some of the larger rocks are literally impacting them yeah. and crushing their skulls. Poor little Toby, he'll never see again. I can't imagine his name's Toby. Well, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But my point is, they're trying to move electric cars in, and people still really aren't buying into that. But little did many people know that Elon Musk's vision for the future was he won't do the electric cars anymore. He's already got the idea that he's just going to sell the batteries. Mm. So it shows you the person right at the top has already monopolised the game. They've already seen it 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line. Even if we're not buying electric cars now, which is my point, they already know this is going to be the end game. Yeah. And with someone like Elon Musk, like we spoke about this in an earlier episode, it doesn't seem to matter if he loses on every investment that he puts into. Okay. And people say, yeah, but it's because he's got loads of money. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's like that with all of these people all of the time. We spoke about Richard Branson in the previous episode with Johnny Vebmore, investing in all these things that lose like insane amounts of millions or billions mm, and it's like yeah. oh whatever and it's like the same with elon musk really the whole electric car thing eventually they want driverless cars they don't want people even driving and again it's all about it's going to be all about control because if you want to go somewhere but they don't want you to go anywhere because there's a future lockdown or you've been blacklisted or whatever the computer is going to computer's going to say no, no, and the car's not going to start, and you're not going to be able to get to where you want to go to. Yeah, this could be your late night run down to the offie for a pack of Rizla or something, or could be to work in the morning to even go see your dying relative in hospital. You have reached your sustainable limit for the month. You cannot go anywhere in your car, and you're like, oh, I need to go, <laughs> and you and you can't go. Yeah. You have been blacklisted because your social credit score is below 100 points. You are only allowed to now drive five minutes from your home or to the nearest emergency hospital. Fucking hell, McDonald's is at least seven minutes away. <laughs> well, we'll get on to later, like this idea of 15-minute cities and all the rest of it, which is number 11, but we're not quite there yet. But they don't want you going anywhere. Unless, you know, 15 minutes is like they want to keep you on a leash, and that leash is about 15 minutes long. But <laughs> they don't want you going outside of that. Okay, eight is decent work and economic growth. And the direct translation in, in our New World Order goals is make people debt slaves. <laughs> I mean, you can pretty much just invert that one, yeah. really. <laughs> well, if you look at economic growth, that's something we haven't seen across the world for at least four fucking years. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so there was the financial crash back in, when was that, 2008? When the subprime market collapsed in America, yeah. Yeah, and you just let them all get away with that. Now we're in like a global depression, but yeah. <laughs> Number nine, industry, innovation and infrastructure. 
which is translated as no personal transport. We were just talking about that with the electric cars. That is bang on. Number 10, reduced inequalities. Jesus Christ. They're obsessed with equality. That might as well just have a, its own rainbow sticker as number 10 with a little like LBGT loon coming out. <laughs> and number 11, right, we can get, get onto it now, is sustainable cities and communities. Now, the translation here is mass surveillance, which obviously is like a big part of this whole 15-minute city thing. But really, it's to prevent you from travelling. And it's yeah. to keep you in an almost permanent, dry lockdown kind of existence. Well, they've already touched on this in the terms of kerosene, the aeroplane fuel going through the roof. They're saying it's costing more and more money to run aeroplanes, especially bigger ones with lots of people. Yes, smaller planes that go shorter distances might be the future, but you're not going to be getting these mad, like, 767s flying to Australia and stuff. Like that, that's going to be slowly winding down. Oh, in the future, commercial travel will be banned entirely for your average pauper. They're, they're not going to be travelling outside of where they were born and that 15-minute zone, or it will be very, very seldomly. Like, again, people in China. There's so many people in China mm. that cannot leave that country because their passport will not allow them, or they cannot even leave like the their province or, province or mm. town or whatever, and they have to ask permission from the government to do so. That's crazy. Yeah. That's very nasty. Yeah. Where are your papers? But where mass surveillance comes into it, and this has already happened in some of the places in the UK where they're really pushing this, to keep people in that 15-minute zone, well, of course, we're going to have to have mass surveillance everywhere and yeah. facial recognition system, of course, because it's then easier to track them. So it's just like the ends justifies the means. means like, oh, yeah. we're doing this because it's sustainable and it's to help the environment. And the mass surveillance is not there to usher you into a 1984 Orwellian... It's like spice existence. Yeah. yeah, it's just for your own good to stop people going out of the 15-minute zone. It's like, oh, my fucking God. But just by the way, if you do go outside that zone, there will be penalties. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of headlines here. Like, there's one from ITV News. What is a 15-minute city and why is the idea so controversial? And they're just trying to get people, again, friendly up and say... Oh, okay. you know, it's a good idea. Like, why is it? Why have people got such an issue with it? Yeah. It's like you're building a, a prison for us. Yeah, and people were uproared about Trump with the wall. <laughs> when like people were like the walls are closing in, you're like they actually are. But they're sort of talking you through. Like, what is a 15 minute city and breaking it all down for you? And they've even spoke about it in Parliament. There's a little video here. Like, oh, I spoke in Parliament today to ask the government to hold a debate on the international socialist concept of so-called 15-minute cities and they're sort of arguing it but if they want this to go ahead it will go ahead like there's no amount of debating in bloody parliament that's going to stop something like this it's only people rising up and going no fucking way imagine the existence of your whole life just reduced to a 15-minute day yeah or i'm not saying you won't be able to leave there that's that is in the far 
dystopian future but you might have to a little bit like when you come into london now and you have to pay the congestion charge, charge or whatever yeah. you you maybe have to apply or you have to like go through some sort of process of, of asking permission to a- actually fucking leave that sounds so horrible <laughs> another one here don't lock me in my neighborhood 15 minute city hysteria sweeps the uk and i love this it says the academic behind the hit urban planning concept has been slammed by flat earthers spreading fake news about livable cities. Oh, so what? It- they must be flat earthers if they don't want these 15-minute cities. Yeah, that's what they are. They're spreading fake news. I'm surprised they didn't have reptilian believing in there as well. <laughs> these, these crazy flat earthers condemning these livable cities. Oh, yeah, they're just li- they're just livable, friendly livable cities. How dare they? Yeah, like, picking on the livable city should be lovable. Lovable and livable. Behind the hit urban planning concept. Yeah, it's a hit concept. It's a livable city. What is there not to love? And, and, and you crazy people are saying that you don't want this. What, do you believe the earth is flat as well? It's like, fuck me. You probably think it's reptilians in Antarctica. <laughs> it might be. It says here, a rather benign urban planning concept is shaking up the English city of Oxford. That's where they're trialling this. Sending thousands of people into the streets to protest what they say is a dystopian plan. Good on you. To take away their personal freedoms and lock them into their neighbourhoods. Well, that's exactly what it is. The concept of the 15-minute city, popularised by academic Carlos Mourinho, aims to make cities more livable by ensuring that... All essential services, think schools, medical care, shops, are within the distance of a short walk or bicycle ride to help the environment. Maybe just ask those people how they felt during the pandemic. Did you like staying at home? A lot of people did. That's the thing. That's the weird thing. A lot of people did. So they would be like, oh, I don't mind the idea of this. And you'll get perks if you do stay in your 15 minute zone because everything will be monitored. And if you're just, if you're a good little person, you'll get all your benefits from not going outside of your 15 minute city. Like, it will be incentive based. It will be the same as it was in the pandemic. Like, you'll get a gold star for doing it. Man. It made getting weed really hard during that whole time. You know, having to go out and thinking I was breaking the law when I was actually already breaking the law. Breaking the law, breaking the law. It says here, broadly, the idea is to cut down on long commutes and car emissions and improve people's quality of life by ensuring they have access to quality services where they live. But that's not the way it's been seen in Oxford. It's like, these bastards, what, that live there? <laughs> yeah. You don't think they should have some kind of a say over this? <laughs> well, that's not as being seen by the people that live there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see them complaining, I can just picture, like, metal bars with their hands. <laughs> Please help us! <laughs> it says, news that the city council adopted a plan to embrace the 15-minute city model prompted fierce backlash with local groups and public figures alleging that authorities plan to restrict residents to their immediate neighbourhoods and strictly police their movements. A rally attended by thousands in Oxford last month claimed to be protesting plans to reconfigure the city as a Stalinist-style closed city and the eventual enslavement of local citizens. I mean, it is 
like a stand in this closed city. Or like you said, it, it reminds you of when the Berlin Wall was still up. But this is even more hardcore because it's everyone just in their fucking zones. Or districts, like yeah. in Hunger Games. The districts, yeah, that's what I was thinking more. And do you remember in Hunger Games, actually, the, you had the masses living in poverty and the super rich that lived in the Citadel. Yeah. Again, it's that theme again and again. And the people that lived in the districts, within the Hunger Game movies, they suddenly became aware of, oh, there was a district that they didn't know about. Yeah. And there was another one that they thought was done for, but actually there was still something going on there. So once you've separated people in this sense, you can completely cut them off. Yeah, because they have no idea if anything's going on outside. I mean, especially if you take over local media and stuff like that. Yeah. Stop people from coming and going out and from speaking. And that's exactly how it would have been in these Stalinist closed cities. Or during the time of the Berlin Wall, people that lived in West Berlin or East Berlin, they might not have known what the hell was going on the other side of the wall. We don't really know what the hell is going on in Ukraine at the moment. That's true. But um, but imagine that on a city-by-city, town-by-town kind of basics, and you've got basically Hunger Games minus the actual Hunger Games but you know they, they could bring that in is Jennifer bit, Lawrence still in it? bit of entertainment <laughs> it says here the outrage has been fanned you'll love this by popular right wing media figures and politicians who seized on the issue as an outrageous example of government overreach why always right wing? always right wing oh I don't think these 15 minute cities are a good thing right winger racist it's like what the fuck has this got to do with anything right wing? I know that's what I thought. I thought that's a bit weird that that's just. They don't even in try there. now. They don't even try and crowbar something in to explain that. They, they, they just chuck that out. Oh, they're right wing. It's like you, you object to anything the government says. Oh, you're a right wing conspiracy theory. It's like, oh my God. I mean, there's another article here from Time Out, which is like an English magazine about like, uh, like arts and culture and where to go in the city for food and drink and stuff. But it says here, the small English city at the centre of the global 15-minute city storm, again, talking about Oxford. And, and they put, Oxford has become a battleground between urban planners and right-wing conspiracy theorists. And there it is again. And there it is again. Don't object to anything that we're saying, otherwise you're a right-wing lunatic. It's like, okay. It's quite weird because do people think our podcast is right-wing? Probably. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh, no. We haven't even done one on Black Lives Matter yet. Fucking hell, I've been thrown in with the bigots. So the next one on the global goals list is number 12, responsible consumption and production. The New World Order translation of this on the meme is single monetary system. I don't really see as a direct translation of that, but no, me it's a good opportunity to talk about things like the cashless society, which they're moving forward with in a really big way. And that has tremendous repercussions on our freedoms. It does. I mean, you just wouldn't, everything would be monitored and every transaction would be known about by the government. You wouldn't be able to save money. I mean, people in China that are now, you know, living with the social credit score system, they're not even allowed to save money. So this idea of people, you know, it's like that Black Mirror episode where he's saving up credits. Like, you won't even be able to do that. No. Because they say, well, you have this amount of money and you have to spend it by this period of time. Well, it reminds me of back in the day, like the pay-as-you-go mobiles, you get a certain amount of minutes a month. And yeah, and if you don't spend them, they're gone. That's it. We take them back. Yeah. 
that's what that's what the social credit score system will be like and really that you can imagine going cashless like not only is it everything is monitored but it's everything's controlled and then they could like they did recently in places like Canada where they just with the truckers sh- shut yeah. down all the truckers bank accounts so they could just shut you down and you would have no lifelines at all because you wouldn't have oh money the stashed in a shoebox or no. some money for a rainy day like nothing it's all just a figure or a digit in a machine that they can just go and just yeah. gone and we talked about this earlier in expanding the idea if you had that happen to you in a dystopian future how would you get money how would you survive well i would go to my family well what if your family were told if they were to give you money they would lose this there would be penalties like it would be like guilty by association they wouldn't be able to give you something that their their accounts would be blocked from transferring you the money mm. or if they did like you said there'd be penalties involved and they'd they'd be then put in the sin bin or whatever really they could give you food and that would be about it but they probably wouldn't have much themselves because it would all be <laughs> rationed. I mean, what the hell would homeless people do? Any change? There's not money anymore. <laughs> There'd be some like drugged out homeless people that would be like, any change? Like they won't have caught up yet. Like, <laughs> mate, they've abolished money. We don't have cash anymore. What the fuck am I going to do? Get a chip and pin machine and I'll transfer you some credits. Have you got a phone at least? Yeah, it'd be like, well, I can get you a sandwich. I don't have much myself, but I, but I want drugs. <laughs> Mate, the sandwich is the drugs. <laughs> have you seen what they're putting in the ham these days? Yeah, whilst on the subject of like gross food as well. Do you remember the movie, the dystopian movie, Demolition Man, yeah. where people that were living like below ground were eating like rat burgers? Yes, Stallone has that like moment when he just finally gets a burger because up in the utopia sort of paradise they have upstairs, you can't get like a dirty McDonald's anymore because like, it's so unhealthy and so bad for you. But he's like, oh, I can't wait to get down there and get myself a burger. Just starts <laughs> eating it and it's like, that's a rat burger you're eating. He's like, tastes good. But that, I mean, that's quite a... I mean, it's a sort of a terrible movie in in a lot of ways, and it's quite a silly movie, especially the fight scenes with Stallone, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. It's almost like Batman and Robin with Mister Freeze, like Freeze. I swear, like, like what, cool down or whatever. It is that bad? I swear, like Wesley Snipes is like overacting as like a maniac. Was it was believable? You can't work out if it's overacting or, or just anti-acting. Anti- is it even is it, is it even acting at all? You could argue it almost looked like you couldn't be fucked. <laughs> now that's how to do a movie. <laughs> but um, it's quite a it's quite a funny future that they portray because it's this like super woke PC future where you can't even swear. Like mm. if you swear, you get fined or whatever, and no one has sex in this future, and the procreation and sex. Is almost been like outlawed. Or it hasn't been outlawed. People have been so conditioned, they just think the idea of it is gross. Oh, and like you said, you can't eat unhealthy food or anything like this. So it's sort of like this WEF future yeah. where people there think, oh, the future's great. It's never been so good. But they actually live in a prison. Yeah. A we, utopian prison. We didn't see any bugs in that film. <laughs> no. No, we didn't see no. them eating any bugs. Yeah, but it's actually a movie I watched the other night which I know you've seen mm. from quite a while ago, but that's about a dystopian future, weirdly set in 2022. 
movie's called Silent Green. It's actually quite an old movie, come out in 1973, and it's got Charlton Heston in it. Yeah. It's a strange yeah. movie. I know. Especially for him. Yeah. But that depicts this grim future where the planet's massively overpopulated and there's these devastating food shortages and like crazy pollution and poverty. And in this future, humans eat this like processed, almost like wafer-like food products that are just like, yeah, yeah, they look like Lego bricks. They've got Soylent Green, Soylent Red, Soylent Yellow. They're just kind of primary Uh, colours, like blocks of food. Food, and it's almost just meant to contain just enough stuff to give you nutrition to get by. Yeah. What do they say with the bugs? Like, high in protein. Yeah. And what's funny is it almost looks like 3D printed food. Yes, it does. Yeah, soylent red and green. They were like Lego bricks almost. It was weird, like printed Lego brick yeah, food. exactly. And it, it is literally like 3D printed food, or uh, what does Bill Gates talk about? Synthetic food or whatever. And how crazy is it that a movie that came out in the 70s that's set in 2022 is featuring food that looks like it's 3D printed? People eating synthetic bars of coloured Lego-like food. Weird. And spoiler alert, but I don't really care because the movie is from the 70s. And you probably guess even by looking at the bloody front cover or reading anything Anything about about it, you would get an idea. The twist at the end is this Soylent Green is actually made from people. Mm. Because they've got such a big overpopulation issue, they are taking people away to these processing plants, grinding them up and putting them into the feed. And dyeing it green. <laughs> yeah, and giving it back to the people. Because, so. of course, green's healthy, like beans, broccoli, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, they're kind of cannibals without knowing it. They're eating all the missing people, the, the dissidents. It's a grim movie, actually. It's pretty crazy it was it must have shocked people in the 70s I oh think. yeah I, I think when it was came out people must have been like what the fuck is this but it kind of reminds me of the conspiracy theory about oh mcdonald's burgers have got you know hum- like are made from people because there has actually been a number of reports where they found uh, both human cells in the burgers or even human remains i think mm. and th- there's been quite a lot of talk about uh, aborted fetal cells that are in everything from food to face cream and th- this is out there mm. already i mean they're putting bugs in food it's like well, what point in this dystopian timeline are they going to start to bloody normalize cannibalism we've had those restaurants already in la and in london like eat human meat oh yeah you yeah. know that's already and there's lunatics on the internet that are putting stuff out there like oh, i want someone to eat me or i'm yes, a cannibal uh, and yeah Someone just donates their flesh or whatever. I mean, gee, there's some weirdos You wouldn't get there. much on me. I'd be like a tiny chicken stick. <laughs> that might be someone's, you know, fetish, though. They want a skinny, bony kind of... <laughs> Whoever you are, leave me alone. Whoever you are, don't get in contact. Yeah. <laughs> leave this podcast now. Yeah, I've, I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about... He was a collector of old Soviet propaganda and posters from that era when things were really bleak and he was saying that there, there was there was posters that were put up to say in essence don't eat your children <laughs> because starvation was such a big problem when people's children were dying or their family members were dying they were actually resorting to cannibalism and eating 
cooking up their family members. So there was, there was a, there's actual propaganda out there to tell people, oh, cannibalism's wrong. It's like oh, pretty, you, don't, you don't think? Pretty bleak stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You don't think, but for them to have to do it, do it, it yeah. lets you know how, how bad things were, that this propaganda a- actually exists. In fact, Russia already had their Soylent Green. Yeah, right, yeah. So back to the global goals. We've got number 13. Unlucky for some, unlucky for you. It's climate action. The New World Order translation, climate tyranny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been pretty much everything since the pandemic took off. Climate action has been the biggest follower after the introduction of the fake virus into the world. Because now the biggest thing on the agenda is save the planet. Well, we've been trying to save the planet for years, but still didn't stop us from cutting down the rainforest every year, did it? <laughs> it is so true. And there's even that smuggled video. Can't remember what news channel the person worked for, but they said over dinner with this person, oh, the next big thing that we're going on to after COVID is we're going to scare the shit out of everyone with climate change. Mm. They already know that this is the next big scare that they're going to make everyone fall in line with. It's all about climate change. It's all about saving the environment and sustainable development. And that's basically what the next few are too. Life below... 14. Life below water. 15. Life on land. I mean, how many of these goals (laughs) are, are actually just climate change? And plus, if you look at the current state of things, like that giant island of just trash floating out in the sea, like in the Pacific, it's like a huge island. It's sort of, I don't, I don't see them breaking that up anytime soon. That's the thing. There is loads of really pressing environmental issues. Like we've mentioned so many times before, they could be planting hemp rather than chopping down the rainforest, or they could be cleaning up the oceans, like you speaking about like we could just stop wearing white t-shirts i mean that would save a hell of a lot of money yeah right like there's <laughs> loads of things that we could do to help things but cutting down on co2 emissions that co2 is the gas of life and it's not harmful and if anything there's not enough of it in the atmosphere but focusing on that and our carbon footprints and all the rest of it is just bollocks it's absolute bollocks it's just to guilt and shame people into giving up all their freedoms to save the planet, which they're being convinced is not going to be here in the next five years or 10 years or 15 years. But how many of these fucking predictions have never come true? I mean, people have recently uh, brought up a tweet from Greta Thunberg, like, oh, look at this old tweet from you. Apparently we should all be underwater by this point or we'll be burnt alive now. Like, it's getting beyond a joke mm. I mean Al, Al Gore said that all the ice caps would have melted by now didn't he like when is this Armageddon actually going to come <laughs> well apparently we're about 11 years too late because it was meant to happen in 2012 as far as I'm assured <laughs> I mean if the Mayans got it wrong I mean fuck who knows <laughs> so coming to the end two goals now number 16 peace and justice strong institutions and the symbol for this one is a bird of peace holding a little olive branch in its mouth, but then in its claws, in, in its talons, in its feet, it's holding a little hammer, like the, a judge would have in the courtroom. That's, that's quite dangerous, though. A bird carrying a branch of peace, but also a hammer. <laughs> Where's the sickle? But um, <laughs> we were saying this one, you know, you could translate as being 
one world court system and yeah. a one world army and police force and everything else this whole thing like you know it's called the global goals it's all mm. about in in the future we're going to eradicate all these things and there be this global system in place well it's in the a, new world order in a way they, <laughs> they kind of got that rolling with the united nations they've already been working at 50 years trying to bring in, or longer than that, 70 years trying exactly. to bring in nations together. Even look at NATO and the whole thing with Russia and Ukraine, with Russia being like, the reason we invaded was because they were going to join NATO. Well, we don't know if they were or they weren't, but the point is that Russia clearly view NATO as a one world army. And they're kind yeah. of not really right, but there's a lot of countries involved in NATO. Let's put it that way. Well, that well that that kind of brings us on to the very last one: partnership for the goals. And the symbol for that is these intertwined rings. It looks a little bit like the Olympic rings, but the way that they're actually intertwined is like they are on the world flag, which most people might not have seen. But there is actually a world flag, which is pretty much this logo. And that is their end goal. Number 17 is it. One world government, one world everything. New world order complete. <laughs> you know, they've, they've ended with that world flag as, as the symbol for a reason. Yeah, in fact, that flag, that's what they want. It, once you start to see that flag on bus stops, screensavers, everywhere, that you will know it's signed, sealed, delivered, oh yeah. <laughs> well, like we were saying in the Gender Wars episode, when when we're seeing this LGBT flag now, this kind of neo one with the all the colours and the triangle and the circle, how similar does it look to this oh, yeah. global goals graphic that we're looking at here? It's all the same colours. It's like that has infected everything. Like we said, from the NHS to the whole LGBT movement to climate change, it's everywhere. It's the same fucking branding. I mean, as someone that comes from a branding background like <laughs> myself, I'm, I'm just looking at it like, can no one see it's the same brand? You're using the same fucking branding. <laughs> so we've spoke about what the WEF have in store for humanity, but what about the future human itself? Mm. We've touched on it briefly when we were talking about the, the no gender human or people not being able to procreate in the same way that they have or the, over time. If there was an epic rise in transgenderism, it would get to the point in the future where no one had original working genitalia. So. Bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's been this huge push recently in the news about artificial wombs. And they're now saying, oh, this will be the future. You won't have to you know, get pregnant anymore, carry the baby for nine months. You'll just be able to have an artificial womb. And you, know, you won't even need to worry about any of it. Like, and here's just some recent headlines. Like this one's from The Guardian. Parents can look at their fetus in real time. Are artificial wombs the future? Don't have it the boring way. Like, you, you can look in on your kid now. Like, you'll like, be able to watch them like, on a screen. Oh, I, I thought that was quite nice when the mum always would carry around the baby and every now and then the, part, the, the partner, the dad, could be a female or woman, doesn't really make a difference, but they could just rub the bump. And now, like, going in there and be like, oh... Baby's not there to rub anymore. I'll just go to the hospital and rub the tank. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. Can you hear me in there, baby Elvis? They're literally trying to pitch this as like, it's better. Scary. You can go there and rub the tank. Oh, that'll be fun. 
I mean, they've done it already. There's uh, some awful picture of, like, a lamb that has been... You know, they've tested this with a lamb already, and it's worked. And they've grown this lamb in an artificial womb. It's just so dystopian. You're like, how is this even fucking allowed? But they're saying, oh, yeah, within, like... You know, it's another sustainable development. Oh, by 2030, like, we'll have, like, artificial wombs. Says here, I lost a baby at 20 weeks. If a fake womb might save a sick fetus, could it also save a healthy 20-week-year-old? You know, they're going to say, oh, it's better for the baby. Mm. You know, women are losing babies now all the time. Well, the funny thing is, we did see the rise in infertility already in the last 10 years, and a lot of that's actually just down to stuff we're eating. We know that a lot more couples are going to fertility treatments to have children. Mm. And these are couples of all ages. Not yeah, just yeah. those young, young people. Not just those older guys who've got the slow swimmers yeah. or something. Yeah, there's there's a big impact in it. And I actually noticed this just even billboards about. You see a lot of advertising now for fertility clinics. Yeah. Did not see that ten years ago. It's the norm. You wait till whatever the hell's in these bloody COVID jabs that they've given everyone kicks in in full effect so so many people could be completely infertile men and women it says here another quote it's like pregnancy is remarkable but i've never felt more like a thing being acted on by doctors you know kind of pitching this all oh, like you don't want to be poked and prodded and you just grow it in a womb so much more convenient yeah. and you won't have the discomfort of childbirth or bearing a child it's, it's like it's really, that's all part of it the funny thing is put it this way reading that article as a man um, I can't really associate too much because I will never give birth. But I can't help but think... Not according to some people now. Well, hello. Not <laughs> but, no, you won't. Judging by our last episode. <laughs> but women, I don't think that's all just displeasure. They're making out like it's such a horrific experience when I know, whether it be my sister or plenty of women I know who've had kids, loved it. They, they loved being pregnant. You know, is, is anything worth doing not hard? Yeah, called it. Anyone? You know what I mean? Climbing a mountain is a fucking hard thing to do, but I bet when you get to the top of it, you feel invincible. I can imagine having a baby. I was there at the birth of my child. I can't even put it into words. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, if if your child was just in an artificial womb and then after six months, bing, like a microwave, (laughs) it just fucking popped out and the door opened, like the pods in Spinal Tap, and some smoke come out, it wouldn't quite be the same. (laughs) <laughs> I had like a similar thought of like Neo in the Matrix your baby gets let out of a pod just sloops down a big long tunnel and just comes into your house yeah. splat on the table well that's the thing ready when you see these artificial womb hatcheries or whatever firstly it reminds you of Brave New World secondly you're thinking this is stage one of the Matrix mm-hmm. yeah again we've seen it in so many dystopian movies including Massively underrated movie, Children of Men. Yes. We've brought this up on the schism before, but this is great. It's set in 2027, so only a few years' time, this one. So only five years after we started eating humans. And, yeah, yeah, (laughs) according to Soylent Green, and on our timeline, oh, just a few years after the old uh, mass jabbing Mm. that went on. Okay. But yeah, in 2027, according to the movie Children of Men, Humanity is completely infertile. We're on the verge of extinction, and then one woman miraculously gets pregnant, and that's what the the, the story is about. I won't spoil that one because it's it's not 
from the 70s. It's no. relatively new. So, and, and it's a... Br- I mean, if anyone listening... It's a great movie. If anyone hasn't seen Children of Men, you need to watch that film. Yeah. Everyone in the movie, a bit like Hunger Games, they, they live in, like, destitution. They're, they're, everyone lives in an almost sort of... Ref- refugee. Refugee-like in existence. Camps, in camps and in stuff. In camps mm. and there's secret police. Like, there's always, like, these New World Order henchmen, isn't there, in every fucking one of these even, movies. Even in Last of Us series <laughs> that just came out, there was still the yeah, henchmen. They pop up in every movie. They're just around the corner. Even when we went on the COVID protest, there was coppers turning up that looked like that. Yeah. So that's already here. But in Children Men, yeah, everyone's mysteriously infertile. And it almost completely destroys humanity. But it's something that pops up in quite a few dystopian movies. This idea of either overpopulation, like we saw in Soylent Green, or population collapse, Mm. like in Children and Men. I've heard Elon Musk say recently that actually we're much more at risk of population collapse more more than anything else. Which... I would agree with, because less and less people are having children, well, especially we, in the West. We talked about in Japan with their, their absolutely decimating pregnancy levels, you know, so it's already happening in what you would consider a fairly developed country like Japan. So well, there you go. Yeah, a very developed country. They're, they're kind of living in some like Neo-Tokyo future, but in its own sense, it is very dystopian. A little bit like Blade Runner, yeah. which is obviously set in a post-apocalyptic LA, but it's got a real kind of Tokyo feel. And we mean it. the original one, guys. I mean, the sequel was good. We all love the sequel. I like the sequel. The sequel's I thought good. It was, I thought it did it justice. But the, the original, especially if you were fortunate enough to see the original original, which had Harrison Ford doing the voiceover, the narration through the film. Mm. Oh, okay. That version is very hard to get your hands on. Director's cut. Oh, a special cut it is. <laughs> But, nice. But yeah. And you've, you've seen watched it. that one? Yeah, I've watched that one as well. Mm. Mm. Impressive. Yeah. You've impressed me, Squire. I do believe um, it was released originally with the narration. People hated it. It was <laughs> taken out. People responded to the film a lot more. And then on one rare night on Channel 4, even though the film had been shown on TV before and it had come out on VHS, because obviously back then it would, VHSs were about... Anyone's listening is like, what the fuck is a VHS? No, they know. <laughs> they know, you know. Our audience know. But, yeah, I remember my dad one night recorded it off a Channel 4 BBC2, and he was like, this one was a special edition. And and, and I didn't even know why until years later explained to me that this one was the first time wow. ever put it out. You might not even be able to buy that. I think you can get it yeah, now, okay. but for years it was unobtainable. But another great film about a post-apocalyptic world where, you know, Los Angeles being the centre city and there's synthetic humans that are exploited as labourers for space colonies. These synthetics are called replicants. Replicants? And they're basically humanoid robots. They look like humans, don't they? Yeah, but they don't even know that they are replicants. Replicants, which is the sad thing about them, actually, a little bit. They actually don't know that they're, well, yeah, androids almost. Yeah, but again, this idea of... You know, man being merged with machine. You know, if it's not the genderless human, it's like the stuff we've talked about in previous episodes with Neuralink. They're connecting the human brain to AI, and that's all planned to happen in 2030 as well. Oh, what a surprise, that year that keeps cropping up again and again and again. There is a new film that's coming out that I think is trying to be the next dystopian film that's going to bring the AI to the Okay. Fold. It's called The Creator, 
and this is going to basically be the future humans in a war with artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence we have created, a bit similar to the synopsis of possibly some of the Terminator storylines, but but not like physical robots. Robots, and until the point that these robots now are being created, so it starts in a computer form, and now we're building AI machines that now think for themselves, but very similar to the Terminator film. And this, I'm not going to spoil it other than what you can see in the trailer, but basically the AI turns on us. What Pro- a surprise. Well, it'll be funny, humans are pretty <laughs> shitty towards each other, so I'm not surprised the AI, the AI was just, just pluck a bomb on them. And that film's coming out this year, and I think it might be in a matter of months, and I get the funny feeling that's going to not only show us the dangers of things like AI, but it should definitely be a warning towards things like Neuralink like merging people with Mm. machines, with technology. You know, whether you're creating AI and you're putting it in a symbiotic form, like making it in a human shape, or whether us ourselves are like, you know, doing the old, you can live forever now by transferring your consciousness into a computer. What a nightmare. Yeah, right. Again, it's like the wishmaster thing. Why would you ever want that? Only these maniacs in charge would ever wish for something like, eternal life, I want to be Superman, I want to live forever. It's like a normal person, when they're ready to go, they're, they're ready to, to go. go. Yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember that film Tron, when they get stuck in the computer game? Right, yeah, yeah. I never, lo- I mean, I love that film, the original was brilliant, but one thing that always really weaked me out about that film when I saw it when I was a kid, was they've just disappeared and they're a tiny little program in a computer where they've got no rules, mm. where there's a big computer infrastructure controlling everything they can do as a program and I'm thinking you've got less control in there than you actually have in real life yeah it's just a prison yeah yeah what was it old mate Morpheus says a prison for your mind the thing is the idea of oh you can upload your consciousness to a cloud and therefore you'll be immortal it's like but that's not you no. oh yeah but it is you because you're just data or you can just be copied well you would say that because you're a transhumanist and you don't believe in the human soul or mm. any kind of creator or anything like that. But if all you think humanity is or humans are is just data that you can upload to a cloud, that is a bleak mm. look at human existence. But that is what people like, Klaus Schwab and his advisor, the guy that wrote um, Sapiens, Yuvaldi. Uh, Yuvaldi, yeah. I can't pronounce his that, name. That's what... These people actually believe. Well, that's how they see humans now. That's how, yeah. As soulless beings that, what does that guy say? Oh, the, the, the time for uh, human free will is over. Humans are just hackable animals. Yeah. And that's all they view us as. But it's, it, it's really easy to like imagine a vision of dystopia or a vision of, of hell over a vision of paradise. Maybe because that's human nature but yeah a lot of that i believe has got to do with that's all we're shown over and over and over again i mean even in this episode how many movies have we brought we've up? quoted quite a few and a lot of them have very bleak outlets and we haven't even touched the disaster films like 2012 and all <laughs> deep impact these are things that are not even within our own control no we're like kind of just honing in on the sort of new world, <laughs> world order uh, ones. but everything we're being fed is largely negative yeah, and most visions of the future portrayed in films, books, TV series, and computer games as well that yep. we haven't even touched on 
are all set in this future that we can all picture in our head. It's like Hunger Games. It's like Judge Dredd. It's like Brave New World. It's like 1984. It's like、mm. all these things. They're so similar. Like we we said before, they have the same characters, the same. Secret police guys with stun guns and helmets, and all the characters look the same in every one of these things. But these are the stories that we tell ourselves. You know, it feels like the default setting for humanity is living in times of war and starvation and death and destruction, all the rest of which it. Which you、and、could argue, which looks like what we are. If you look at history, <laughs> like yeah, it, it's 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 almost like the time that we're living in now of relative peace and abundance. That's the anomaly. If you look over the span of known human history, that's not normal.、Mm. But I feel like that is our normal, harmonious state. You know、well, what I mean? Like what we should be doing. It's what we should be doing and should be aspiring to be doing.、Um, and the average person you meet on the street, or whatever, they don't want war. They don't no, want to be、not. living in constant conflict and all this stuff. Like, I don't think this future that we're being told is inevitable is actually something that we would choose or would be heading towards if we hadn't let a bunch of maniacs take over.、Mm. But unless we, and when I say we, I mean us, everyone, the population, envision a better future, then other people will do it for us. Like the cretins at the WEF, who have this whole blueprint worked out already, unless we actually try to picture what that future might look like ourselves, others will do it for us, and that's what we want to be focusing on in our next episode. Utopia. Oh, here comes the fun, guys! It's not all doom and gloom. There is a beautiful place for all of us. We want to dare to dream of a better world, just like John Lennon in his song "Imagine." <laughs> But yeah, we're kind of getting out of our comfort zone a little bit、mm. because it's really easy, and this is a criticism that we have with a lot of the alternative media, to focus in on just the bleak, dystopian world that we have and are heading into. And we kind of wanted to, like, what does Hawk say from Cobra Kai? Flip the script. Mm. So join us next time for that, and in the meantime, all that it matters is that you become badass. <laughs> I was going to sing a lyric from Imagine or、oh, something. I thought you said on Cobra Kai. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Schism. We've got plenty more episodes on the way. In the meantime, follow us on our Instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies.